What's up, everyone? Welcome to episode 75 of the Noise Podcast, brought to you by Noise Like How Do You Can, sponsored by Stereo Brand Records. I am your host, slash your boy, Chris Pugh, and I'm joined, as ever, by my very good friend and Mr. Cynical himself, Samuel Lewis. Mate, not only am I your, your podcast host, slash your boy, on the Sunburnt podcast host, slash your boy, mate, how are you, man? I'm, I'm struggling with this. I am absolutely awesome. I'm struggling. I think I'm the, uh, the the puddled one rather than the cynical one at this moment. I am I am so uncomfortable. Do you remember a couple of podcasts ago when you were like the hottest day ever? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that I was would, I would, nothing. I would take 17 of those of what's going on today. Mate, yesterday I had an absolute nightmare. So I, I promised my dad I'd play golf with him, as I reminded you several times on Saturday night when I was with you. Um, as oh, it was cool. the reason why I was like, we're behaving because I've got to play golf on Sunday. And I was right, so I had to get to the gym in the morning and I trained shoulders and legs, got home, had my serum and went straight to the straight to play golf. That's 18, a long day. mate, 18 holes of golf on a full course, an average of like 450 yards a hole. And obviously you've got to put effort in, you know, when you're playing golf on a full course, you know, you can't just, you can't mess around. You're like, you've got to swing hard trying, you're, you're trying to get the ball as far as you possibly can. Mate, I was beyond exhausted yesterday. My arms are, are red raw, my neck's red raw, my face, as you can probably see, although because I, I do this by the window, I do look quite, um, I do look, as you said to me before, like, do you know showing you my camera? You, you look like Casper. <laughs> it's, it's now it's 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 fantastic because you've got like i could see the pink tinge but also yeah. the pale provided by the lights so you kind of look like a squashy <laughs> so it's like yeah the, the, this camera makes me look insanely pale but you can probably see that like i'm red in the face and this camera makes me look pale so imagine how i look in person um yeah dude honestly this is a nightmare for me it's horrible horrible this is you know what i i, I massively i massively respect you because that is a productive productive day i woke up at half 12 that day we didn't even get home right i know <laughs> <laughs> I, I had a shower after after we got in and then went to bed and woke up 10 hours later oh mate felt great look, felt, felt great so... felt great like i can't i can't lie it's fantastic to be fair i think that's the quietest night we've ever had yeah i hated it let's never do it again <laughs> <laughs> Never having a quiet one ever again. Um, mate, uh, let's introduce people to the show. We are a fortnightly rock and metal podcast sponsored by Stereo Brown Records. We're available on Spotify, YouTube, Apple Podcasts, basically anywhere you get your podcast, we will be there. The best way to support us is by subscribing slash following, depending on whichever service you are using. On this week's episode, there's some light news stories for us to go through. Only really one thing I'd like to discuss in detail. We've got album reviews on Sleep Waker's new record, Alias, and Times of Grace's Songs of Loss and Separation. Plus, as you'll see from the title, this week's Chris Meets is with cognitive guitarist Rob Wharton. You'll remember us talking about cognitive on our last episode because their record, Malevolent Thoughts of a Heist and Extinction, is absolutely beastly. Uh, so I spoke to Rob about the creation of that um, kind of how the band came together, all that kind of good stuff and things he's hoping for for the future. So do stick around at the end of the show for that. Uh, so we're going to burst right into the news to begin with. Um, you know what, dude? Let's just start with it. Iron Maiden's 17th record has been announced. Uh, it's I can called, feel your enthusiasm already. Uh, it's called Senjutsu. It's out on September 3rd via Parlophone Records. It's 81 minutes long. Please. Right, There's Sam, seven uh, songs. <laughs> right, Sam. Um, okay. 
you like just by an absolute landslide and not even like the normal of landslide, like the greatest landslide that ever could be metaphorically created. Know more about Iron Maiden than me. I think I've listened to like two Iron Maiden records, um, Number of the Beast, and was one called Power Slave. He's one, one is called, called Power Slave. Slave. Yeah, yeah. I think did you with the, Power Slave. We like the, the pyramid, the pyramid Egyptian yeah, pyramid. Yeah, yeah. Right, yeah so it's yeah. that one and Number of the Beast that I've listened to. I totally get why I made and they're a massive deal. They're legends, all that kind of stuff. Pay the way for loads of the bands that I currently listen to, but they just don't do it for me at all. So you are okay. absolutely the best person to lead this new story, Sam. What should we What should we be looking forward to with a 17th Iron Maiden record? Besides actually the artwork, because as usual, I think my favourite thing about Iron Maiden is their artwork. It's Their artwork is amazing and the artwork for this album is amazing. Well, I think if you're a Maiden fan... Um... I think you are not hoping for any great changes. I think you are hoping for a continuation of the quote-unquote Maiden blueprint. But more crucially and more specifically, I think you're hoping Bruce Dickinson sounds okay. Because that, that's a guy that's come back from throat cancer. That's a guy that's had a lot of, a lot of problems over the last couple of years related to his health and getting back and getting back out there. If I was a, I'm not a die-hard Maiden fan, but I like Maiden a lot. If I was listening to this, this Iron Maiden record, I would be like, this is a, almost like a tester or an audition to what I'm going to hear live. That's what his voice, that's a clip of what his voice sounds at its best right now. I'm hoping that it holds up. I'm hoping that I'm hearing that and say, yes, although it's not, um, you know, peak Bruce Dickinson from the mid 80s in terms of his power and his, his range. What I am getting is enough of a Bruce Dickinson where the new album is good, enjoyable, has some great parts. And also I can see myself seeing them live and not thinking, man, this isn't what it used to be. I think best case scenario is the ACDC record that we reviewed. Where yeah. we go out and say that's a good Maiden album. That's perfect for their audience. That didn't embarrass themselves. Um, it's not going to tarnish their legacy or the way that people think of it. And let's be honest, Iron Maiden don't. Their legacy is set. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, nothing's going to change that, you know. Whatever this album looks like isn't going to make Number of the Beast worse. Do you know what I mean? It's just not going to work. Yeah, yeah. So we're just kind of hoping for it to be all right, I think. And if you're a Maiden fan, if it picks the boxes and sounds a bit like and sounds like Maiden in the right place, I think you'd be happy. Um, I sent you the new single, The Writing on the Wall. That yeah. Myself. It's all right. It's not great. It's, it's not great, right. but it's perfect. It's perfectly serviceable. And if you're, a, like I said, if you're a diehard Maiden fan, you get the solo, you get the, the extended harmony guitars, you get a relatively big soaring chorus, though clearly Dickinson isn't isn't what he used to be on that. You kind of you kind of get what you're expecting, as long as it's not awful. I think a, Ma- a Maiden fan will hear enough of the Maiden tropes to get what they want out of it. I think that's all it needs to be. It's such a shame, man, because like the artwork that Maiden put together, like they're perfect for me. And this album, Senjutsu, like the artwork is like that classic Maiden skeleton. But in like the Japanese style, and obviously I'm a big fan of Dark Souls. So the samurai style, like I love, I think the artwork is absolutely amazing. Like I'll really, really want to like this record. But when it's just coming in 81 minutes long and the writing on the wall, the lead singles all right. I'm just, I am just terrified for this. I mean, one of the songs I think I saw is like 12 and a half minutes. I'm like, come on, come on. Sounds about part of the course. Um, it's yeah, it's it's not it's not, it's not for you. It's 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 not for you, is it? Apparently, the Senjutsu is a Naruto reference, which would suggest that which suggests that I am made the fans of anime, which is an it interesting would? little wrinkle. Um, or maybe they're trying to appeal to a different set of um, a set of their audience. Um, but 
that that aside, I I think if this is seven out of ten, that's a big win. Yeah, man. I mean, and like I say, like some people, albums. Yeah, some. It's I mean, not. some people are going to hear this podcast and think, "What is Chris on about?" Like, and uh, listen, I imagine don't do it for me, but I would never denounce their addition to heavy metal history and not just addition like being a pivotal member of heavy metal history I mean they are absolutely on that mount rushmore and i would never try and denounce that they just they just don't really do it for me and um, moving slightly alongside someone who does do it for me uh turnstile's new album is out on the 27th of august via roadrunner records that's called glow on a very very like all of my like lack of enthusiasm for Iron Maiden is completely opposed to my absolute like heart beating <laughs> enthusiasm for a new Turnstile record. Um, moving on from that, Sam, how about this for a, a, a title for a, a news a news article? Ed Sheeran not opposed to making a death metal album. Did you see this? No, I did not. You didn't see this? Great. So I'll get I get to read to you from Metal Hammer, and you aren't aware of what any of this means. So. It's kind of like relatively well-known knowledge that Ed Sheeran, like he's a fan of alternative music. He was, I think he was on, I think it was Jimmy Kimmel before. And he was talking about the fact that when he was younger, like he was really into like, you know, kind of Slayer and like Cannibal Corpse and, and um, like Corn, and that he'd learned like the riffs of them when he was a kid. And he was really into death metal back then. So I know you never usually speak about this news source, but unfortunately they are the source that had the interview with him where this is revealed. So the son did like kind of interview with him and he said, quote, I listened to Crowd of the Filth and Slipknot and all that stuff. I'm not saying I could ever step into that world, but I learned a lot of those riffs on guitar as I was a kid. That's something I've never thought about doing, but something I would not be opposed to creating. In 2017, Ed Sheeran actually uh, name-checked Slipknot as a formative influence. It says here, so that's kind of cool as well. My first sort of music that I got into wasn't from my parents. That wasn't from my parents was rap, metal, and punk. I went one from one day listening to Iowa by Slipknot, and the next day listening to Damien Rice's O. Then, of course, Sam uh, Danny Filth got in on the act to which he put up a bit in Instagram post that said with a picture of Ed Sheeran, I'll believe it when I see it. Fellow Suffolk lad come good in the end. Dracula's castle on the hill. Anyone? Which did make me, which did make oh, a me lot, laugh. A lot of time for that. Which did make me laugh. Do you know what, Sam? There's not really much for us to discuss here. The only thing I want to kind of tease you in with here. Let's pretend that in 2023, it's announced that Ed Sheeran is going to do, he wouldn't do a death of metal album, would he? He's going to do a rock album, right? He'd write riffs and Ollie Sykes and sing on it. P- quite possibly, yes. Because of the success of Miley Cyrus's Nothing Else Matters, do you think that would make the reception? I still don't think the reception to the news would be warm, but would it make it warmer now that, like, someone the status size of Miley Cyrus has done such a fantastic job on Nothing Else Matters. I still don't think the reception would be warm, but you think it would be warmer than had this been announced in, I don't know, 2017? Hmm. It's a tough one because you're essentially asking me, does Miley Cyrus covering Metallica make metal fans less obnoxious? And I don't think it does. Do you not? Um, I think it might. I think it might make some because it's really good. It's I, like I, I, no one yeah, can say it's not good. Do you know what I mean? But yeah, but metal fans on comment threads will and will continue to. The gatekeep, the gatekeeping mate, will be immortal. Unfortunately, um, I, 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 I don't think. I think you actually are giving too much credit to the internet. <laughs> um, 
which is not a phrase that anyone says often because usually no credit is given to the internet. Um, but in this circumstance, I think you're overlooking that people just will make a decision in advance, whether it's good, bad, or indifferent, regardless of listening to it. Do you know what I mean? People are, you say, oh, anyone who listens to it would agree that it's good. Who says the people criticizing listen to it? Yeah. Do, yeah, do you know what I mean? Yeah. That's, that, that's, do you know what I mean? I don't think that's a chance that, that that's always going to be the case. Um, I think the people are going to hate Ed Sheeran writing metal riffs are the people that wouldn't listen to Ed Sheeran writing metal riffs and also complain that Sabaton are not headlining the main stage at Download. These people are just melons. Like, they, they, they should be taken seriously. Um, and that's, that's the way that I feel about it. On a, on a side note, um, I also appreciate Danny Filth, who could have easily taken the quick joke and just in the, nah, metal forever, mm, kind mm. of thing, and just set, got 10,000 likes from his Grebo mates. But instead, he was open to it, and rightly so, because Danny Phil's been on a Bring Me The Horizon album, so he's kind of crossed over a bit as it happens. But Ed Sheeran is a, it's a, sort of, sort of, Bad thing, not a, a, a sort of thing to say. He's an incredibly talented artist, He's incredibly right. talented artist who was it was written songs not just for himself, but was written songs for a variety of other artists that they perform, at, and he just reaps the benefits from sort of quietly behind. I have no doubt that if Ed Sheeran really thought about it, he could make a Linkin Park esque album where it's alternative rock with massive soaring choruses, and he just brings all of his mates. Because we've always said one of the things about it that alternative music has lacked is it doesn't have the, the great melodies of pop sensible singers. You sort of like shoehorning guys into that. Now, if you could get someone like Ed Sheeran who wrote a great rock song and then he could get a Miley Cyrus, a Lady Gaga to sing the chorus of that song with their talent, that's going to be incredibly tantalised and incredibly listenable. And metal fans won't like it, but actually incredibly beneficial for our scene, really, in terms of... Um, diversifying it and stuff in the same way that Run DMC and Aerosmith did a lot of stuff for metal in the late 80s in the same way that Linkin Park and Jay-Z did a fair bit for it in the early 2000s. It just opened stuff up. I think Ed Sheeran, we were talking about this before, um, what artists could possibly uh, sort of work this out? Who's the Drake that could come in? Well, Ed Sheeran would actually qualify for that, wouldn't he? He wouldn't need to be a rap artist. Mm. Someone with that pull, that crossover appeal, who is also British. I could imagine Ed Sheeran working while she sleeps. I think that'd be wicked. Like that, it could just it could just work. Architects, mm-hmm. it would just be it just tre- tremendous. And these bands are already kind of trended in that direction. So I'm absolutely open to it. I think it'd be really really interesting. And you're absolutely right. Evidence suggests that from the Miley Cyrus and the Metallica cover that it can also work. So follow me. I don't think we're going to see it, but I just, I like the idea no, of it being no, dangled agree, that, yeah. that maybe we might, maybe in 2024, we're going to get like an alternative music of Ed, Ed Sheeran, which would be particularly interesting. I'm with you, man. I would be, I'd be open to listening to it just like I was open to hearing Miley Cyrus's Nothing Else Matters. And I knew it'd be really good. And guess what? It's really good because she's really good. She's a great vocalist. Just find this time before we get him. I can't see him fancy. Can you imagine, imagine a record label executive turning around to Ed? Ed, you fancy making less money? <laughs> yeah. Fancy that? I'm intrigued. Tell me more. He'd have to. I think he'd have to be like really bored of writing these pop songs that make Radio One playlists like for eight months out of the twelve of the year. He'd have to be really bored of doing that. I think you know what I was going to do something completely different. It's going to make me less money, just like you said. Um, caveat before we get into album reviews, Sam. Uh, Finahas have announced a new album called The Fire Itself out on t- August 27th via Solid State Records. So what a release day August 27th is for me and you, Sam, because. You're less big of a Turnstar fan than me, but I'm going to have Turnstar, but we both love Finahas and they're going to have a record out on that day as well. Mate, did you hear 
did you hear um, the first single from that album? It's very good, isn't it, Chris? Mate, it's so great. I love them. I think they're great. I, like, we spoke about this before. We can't believe they're not huge. Like, they should be absolutely massive. I don't know what's happened. About in, they should at least be spoken about in the same way people talk about Weilermeyer. Like, it's like Ooh, an incredibly... Oh, Weilermeyer are really good, mate, to be fair. Finahassa on that level. Finahassa in that room. I'm not saying they're, like, as good, but, like, if they got into an arm wrestle, I wouldn't think Finahassa would just get their arm slammed into the door. Do you know what I mean? I like, like, that metaphor, do, you know what I mean? Yeah, do you know what I mean? Like, it's, 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 not, it's not overpowering for, for Valamaya. I'm just saying, like, I should be able to turn to a metal fan and be like, Finahassa is sick, and they should be like, yes, yes, yeah, they are. Yeah. In the same way that you can say, Valamaya are a class, and there's, like, a, a recognition after the burial, those sort of bands, yeah. where you're like, yeah, that band is wicked, periphery. There's no reason why Finahassa can't be in that technical kind of conversation where they're, rec- where they're recognised for that ability. That new song, In The Night, oh my God, it's amazing. It is the way that those riffs explode out of the, explode out of the sound. Just, oh, I love them so much. My August 27th, what a day for us. And then the week after is September 3rd with a new Iron Maiden album. So, <laughs> life gives with one and takes away with the other. <laughs> okay, uh, so... How dare a- you? <laughs> yeah, that was a rough one. I feel bad for that one, almost. Uh, let's get on to album reviews, Sam. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to start with Sleepwalkers Alias. It is out on July 23rd via Unified Records. It's the band's second album and the follow-up to 2018's Don't Look at the Moon. Sam, as people hear me say this, they're going to think that I'm immediately going in with a criticism. I, I swear I'm not. But uh, just a thought came when I was listening to this. Don't you miss peak wage war? It did occur to me as well. I miss when Wage War were at their absolute... Like, when Wage War were doing blueprints, man. Oh, they were so... Like, I was so certain they'd be, like, a massive, massive deal. And then, yeah. you know, they the, the kind of fell off the bandwagon, which happens, you know, that that's music, that's the alternative... That's the alternative cogs, you know, they turn very well for some, and for others, they turn very well for a bit, and then they stop turning altogether. I don't think Wage, War, Wage War's career is, like, dead, but... They said we saw that. Who did we see them support now? Was it while she sleeps? Was it of my some of my some men? We saw them support of my some men, and we were like, mate, these are going to be they were great and they're going to be absolutely massive. In fact, we saw a few of our friends there, and they were like, oh, I came for wage war, like, and of my some men are cool as well, I guess. And then you know, they're the like I say, the bandwagon stopped moving for them a bit. But yeah, I, I listened to this record and I was like, oh, Wage War were great when they're at the peak, weren't they? And they just they just made the wrong choice, didn't they? They, they selected the wrong horse to stick their stick their reins to. It's like um the, the Lakers could have traded Kobe or Shaq in 2004. They chose to trade Shaq and it went really well because Kobe was 26. And Wage War had the choice. We were gonna be we can be metal. We could just do metal breakdowns or we could do all pop choruses and I could have kind of done both but they just went with this all pop chorus thing. And I, I think it just diluted what they were trying to do overall. We've reviewed a lot of metalcore records in our time on the podcast. Sam. in fact, I think we've reviewed more metalcore records than any other genre, to be honest. Or so, anyone else in the alternative podcast landscape. <laughs> yeah. So much so that I do try to avoid them where possible now, unless they're a massive band who I couldn't possibly ignore, such as Beartooth. Regardless... <laughs> regardless I, I threw this in as it has been a bit of a quiet fortnight for big releases Sam I think I'm over the the gent thing 
I think I'm either the gent thing. It's had a good it's had a good run for you, hasn't it? What's that yeah. been three years? Yeah. I think I've moved what was past the, it. Um, what was the moment where you realised it? Hacktivist. Yeah, that's fair. That well, that is terrible though, in fairness. But if you heard a really good gent album, you'd still be pulled back in, right? Well, when I say uh when I say gent, I don't mean like like peripheral my sugar. I mean like the gaum, gaum. I mean that the riffs that are just yeah, yeah. where the where bam, the tuning is yeah where the tuning is put right to the bottom and the riffs are specifically played slow to get that kind of bass sound on them. And I think what I think I'm just past that now. Like hyper dialect by Hacktivist was literally boom boom for like 40 minutes, and I was like, oh my yeah. god, they've literally played the same, not the same, but like the same riff in like just different structures for 40 minutes here. And for this album, it's not it's nowhere near as repetitive as hyper dialect by Hacktivist, but it does come with that really low tuned, gent bass heavy riff, doesn't it? And like within the first couple of songs here, I was re- I was a bit concerned, Sam. That oh no, I'm only get- I'm going to hear like one riff idea, but just play through in different structures for 40 minutes. Luckily, that doesn't happen. I I do like this album, Sam. What would you say? I do like this. Yeah, I like it too. I think it's really good in its genre. I wrote this sentence as part of my review. By the time I got to Cold Moon and Melatonin, both songs that I enjoyed, by the way, and I said um, summarize. At its best, it's reminiscent of North Lane, Wage War, Diamond Construct and Alpha Wolf. The issue is, is that we already have North Lane, Wage War, Diamond Construct and Alpha Wolf. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And that, that's, the way that, that's the way that I feel about it. It feels like it's trying to push its way into a crowded nightclub. And, and like me and you with the beleaguered bouncers where it's like, it's already 2.15, bro. Can't you just knock it on the head? And, and it just feels yeah. like, come a little earlier, man. Where were you last year? Um, come on in then, you know, like 2019, we're all about this, but man, it's, there's too many in there. There's like 50, 50 fans we've already let in earlier. That's what it feels like. That being said, I want to talk about some moments that I think are really, really good. Because Yes, because there are a few. There are a few great moments on this. Uh, absolutely. Um, and a few moments, actually, that I was thinking, oh, I'll do that again. So I felt like um, I want to talk about the song Serenity that I feel is by far the best great. song on this album. Yep, I also put its best song on the album. That chorus is huge. Why don't they repeat it? Yep. Why do they never come back to it at least once? Like they, 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 they have that first line where they say, actually, the title, Serenity. That's amazing. And then they go away from it. And then it comes back 45 seconds later and I'm buzzing again. And then they go away from it. And the breakdown is sensational. Yeah. Um, really, really good, really complex, really intricate, really dancey, really groovy. And then they completely ignore that. They've got this just, they've just put this brilliant chorus on the shelf and they've just left it there to gather dust while they fade into some other idea. It just felt like an opportunity missed. But at the same time, it's a reminder of how talented they are. I also think I mentioned it earlier. I like melatonin. I thought that was a really good, that was where I was like, all right, at its best here, this is peak wage war style. This is, and this is really good. There's bits of this breakdowns that I'm hearing of that Diamond Constructor EP that me and you fawned over. Yeah, yeah. Um, at point, some of the vocal transitions here remind me of Alpha Wolf, a band that I adore. And his last yep. album was in my, uh, my top five albums of the year last year. And I still listen to pretty much every other week. Um, but then it, 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 it sort of tapers away a little bit. So like songs like um, Strangers and Skin are nice in the moment, but immediately kind of forgettable. Uh, 110 minutes, I enjoy the echoey guitar, but I don't think it's other than that. It feels a bit nondescript. It's like it got to the end and it was like distance. I was like, cool, the uh, the ballad at the end, it's going to be slow. There's going to be some big chords. There's going to be some distant vocals. 
There's even a few moments where they experiment with the loathe style dissonant vocal track. And I like all of those elements in isolation, but it feels like a compilation track of somebody that's trying to do 14 or 15 of the last tropes of metalcore. And it doesn't seem to, it doesn't tread any new ground. That's all it is for me. And maybe, maybe this is the burden of, of the job that me and you do, because maybe 10 or 15 um, metalcore albums ago, we'd be punching each other over this. Yeah, yeah. I was, uh, I was, I was going to mention that. If this came out in like 2017, 2018, we'd be like, oh my God, this is going to be the biggest mate, thing in the world. If we showed Lee on this, wouldn't this be like his favourite band in a month? Yeah, man. This album? That's because good. He's, not lis- he's not listening to album after album after album and stuff like this. Because even, mate, and, you, and you'll agree with me, I'm the same as you. I've got a big long place of all the songs I like. You've got all the album of the year stuff, but you also dip in. Um, even the albums that we're reviewing, how many metalcore albums do you listen to throughout the course of a month? It's got to be at least four or five, just tangentially. Do you know what I mean? In terms of just songs that come up on playlists, stuff you flick through. Is this going to force its way into the rotation? I don't know. Um, that's, the, that's the thing it is. And I think, like I said, if I sat somebody down that I knew was like into metal, but not to the, the ridiculously detailed extent that you and I obsess over it, um, would they just love it and not think any further of it? Yeah, I think so. You could play this in Planet tomorrow and it'd get people moving. Um, but does it move the needle enough to maybe push it beyond the genre that it's entered in probably not so I'm, I'm half cut between saying that you know what it's really good in its genre and therefore it's like an eight an album i should just say that it's good because it's good rather than trying to dress it up in borrowed robes and say what else does it do it doesn't need to do that it's good because it's good it's a good metalcore album it should be recognized as such welcome to the club best of luck but at the other side i'm thinking to myself where else does this go how much more can we do of this as a genre and do you know what's the next step here? But I'm also biting back and saying, does there, does there need to be? Because this is really good for what it is. Where do you stand on that? I think you've made an absolutely tremendous point there. And I, I saw the point that you've just made kind of come out in real terms last year because there was a there's a band called Kingdom of Giants that did an album called Passenger. And I, re- I reviewed it and... I was probably I was already approaching the point there where I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm because it was re- it was very reminiscent of this record actually, and I was like, yeah, I'm done with this. This is boring. This is six out of ten. Like it's it's fine for what it is, but nothing more. And then because of the people that I follow on social media, and I follow a lot of metalcore accounts and stuff. They were all absolutely obsessing over it. Like the new Kingdom of Giants album is absolutely amazing. And I was watching. I was like, no, it's not. It, I was like, I mean, it, it's fine for what it's good for what it is, but it really isn't. But and then what you just said rang so much, rang so true. Like, obviously, I'm li- I was listening to it as the kind of tired man. I've heard a lot of this before, metalcore fan, whereas they were just listening because, oh my God, it goes gown, kick a gown, gown, and that's great. Do you know what I mean? Bob, chicka, wow, That is what this record does. But like, and and that like you've just said there like there's so many metal, there's so many metalcore fans that would listen to this and be like oh my god it's amazing listen to listen to the tune and it's so heavy it's great it's like brilliant but for me and you it's so, we're so you know we've been exposed to so much of this by by this point that this just now falls by the wayside i actually put diamond struck diamond construct in my in my notes here for the, for like a band that I would draw this to. And obviously the 
that diamond struck construct ep that we reviewed that was their first kind of flurry into like kind of techno electro hardcore metalcore stuff so we don't know what diamond construct would actually do with 10 11 songs but i'd be more excited over the idea of a diamond construct record than i was listening to this album i feel but that's not to say this is a bad record this is not a bad record this is a good record the title track got that huge low now opening big chorus Hunter Courtright is the vocalist. I, I like his growls. There's those, those kind of interspersing techno moments that are quite cool. There's a high-pitched guitar on the mini breakdown, which, which is a nice touch. And you get those closing screams behind that tech riff. So I was in, but then skin started. And I was like, man, this riff sounds just like the one that was on Alias. That I hope that's not going to be a problem. And just immediately now, to see that the riff structure was very similar, put me in the kind of hyper dialect mindset where i was like yeah i've got a bad feeling about this fortunately when strangers turns up that kind of squashes those fears and what i managed to pick out with sleep waker is that the tonality kind of does stick to a cyclical structure but they do some quite diverse tempo changes there's like a mid-track breakdown on strangers which is like it's like a destruction machine it sounds great and you get those kind of scratches across that you know you just scream alpha wolf so like in terms of the structure yes it does go around in a circle but thankfully there's quite a few tempo changes on this record that my goodness if they if it wasn't for that i would think me and you would be struggling um Cold Moon is like a necessary tempo break. I think it's like it's kind of like an interlude track, but I was very glad that it was there because it was quite intelligently placed to break up the fact that three previous tracks all went 100 mile an hour without a great deal differentiating them. So it was a shrewd move. I think the best thing I'd say, what the thing about this album that I'd point out that's a very, very intelligent decision, Sam, this album doesn't outstay its welcome, does it? It's just like no, 30, no, I, 32, I like 33 that. minutes. That's the right core. If oh, this was absolutely. A, if this absolutely. was a forty minute, I think me and you'd be struggling. I don't think I don't think they've got enough gas in the tank for like a six or seven minute song or twelve songs of this. I think that would that would be that would be stretching it. And actually, to your earlier point, you talked about the Diamond Contra Tipper. Yeah, I'd be excited too. But if you put twelve songs of that, we'd be far off what this is. Do you know what I mean? It's no. it maybe maybe those maybe maybe that type of genre <laughs> has a limited shelf life unless it's really 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 good. Do you know what, mate? You just made a great point there because if I if we reviewed an EP here and it was Serenity, Distance, Insomniac, and Melatonin, mate, I reckon me and you'd be like, "Hey, great's this?" Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Can't wait for the album. It's eight more of this. <laughs> yeah, is not it? Yeah, that is that's an interesting point, actually. Perhaps, perhaps it's the overexposure to it that, like, bec- that by the time you get to track five or six, what else can you hear? Having said that, Insomniac comes, I think, just about the midway point or just after the waypoint, and, and it's got this massive, explosive opening. There's the pull on the guitar strings, which are really Code Orange esque. Of course, I love that. There's a mid-tempo beat that comes in after the I feel those nightmare closing nightmares. Closing in lyric which i love and it's like it's short a mix-up and it's necessary there's also an acoustic outro that comes out of nowhere as well which that song and serenity they're brilliant they are like i i, I love them and just to, to the point we were just making if you were to add these to an ep with i don't know let me think of it, like melatonin and one more alias the title track 
I think we'd be having a slightly different conversation. And I feel like we've sp- we've kind of talked ourselves into saying this isn't a good record. And I just want to reiterate that, yes, it is. It's it's a very solid metalcore record. But I'll tell you what, Sam, would you take this over North Lane's Alien? Mm, yeah, probably, but not by much. Right, okay. See, I wouldn't. I, I, I'd, I'd take North Lane's Alien, but I don't think North Lane's Alien is like a landmark release. I just think it's really good. Yeah, so that, yeah, I, I think I, that's I, where I we are same. with this record. Yeah, I feel the same. This is this is cemented nice and comfortable in the good but not great um, area of the metalcore releases, and it's it's perfectly solid and serviceable. And I think it's I think it's it's really all right, and 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 that is that is perfectly perfectly okay to be at this stage. I think it does it does every metalcore trope very well. Um, and it, it ticks most of the boxes. To come back to Insomnia, by the way, just quick note, it was fantastic on that introduction. Yeah. Um, I like I like the little change to the electronic drums halfway through. Big into that. Um, that was like a that was a even for 10 seconds, that was a welcome breath of fresh air. Um, so maybe maybe we have reached that point with Metalcore where it's kind of like it feels like you enjoy the trailers of a comedy movie because the the best joke is in that first minute and a half. Yeah, you don't need you don't need the hour and a half version of that. Maybe it's just a little bit like that at the moment. Um, but at the same at the same time, we've reviewed a lot of special metal and hardcore albums in the last couple of years, and I still think the space the real top tier ones. Yeah. Um, no, I, I, I mentioned mentioned Alpha Wolf. That 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 album would that would be great to me, regardless of at what yeah. point in my overexposure I would have heard it. And and same to same about not loose, um, and that's that's perfect, perfect. You're right, and I don't want to be disrespectful to this band because I think they're really talented. They are talented. I, 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 I really, I really think that they are, and I think actually, um, a lot of bands that we've reviewed, you talk about Hacktivist, and you talk a little bit of Wage War, and there's a few other bands that we've had this conversation about that have diverted away from metalcore and hardcore that were kind of some of the original metalcore and hardcore bands. So maybe a band like um, Sleep Waker are going to be filling those gaps that are left behind. And that's just the natural evolution of the genre. And if that's the case, then there's absolutely a welcome spot because there have been gaps that have opened up and I'm, I'm perfectly, perfectly okay with that. I just, if it's really a criticism, I don't think there's anything groundbreaking or genre defining or, um, particularly life-alteringly special on this album but i think there's also absolutely nothing on there that would be discouraging or disappointing to close off for me i know the metalcore accounts that i follow on twitter will be all over this record obsessed in love with it saying it's the best thing since sliced bread and that's that's absolutely fine but I wouldn't have put this record on for us to review if it wouldn't have been for it. It's been a quiet fortnight in terms of album releases because I know now that me and you are past this. And for me, Sam, I'm much, much, much more excited about where hardcore and extreme metal are going than metalcore because by this point, that bout is really, really full. It is. It is really, really tough sell. And the thing is, you talk about the the metal, the metal core Twitter falling over it. I would love to ask those same people in six months if they're still listening to it. Great point, because I think a lot of them would say, "No, no, I haven't listened to it for a while. It was great for a week, and I didn't go back to it." Yeah, isn't yeah? You know, it's the litmus test, isn't it? Really, you still bump it because you, there's so much saturation, but the the special 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 songs stand out. 
And if it's not doing that, then I think we've answered our own question there. But obviously, time will tell and I wish them the best. Absolutely. Talented band, good record. I enjoyed listening to it. It's just got to the point where it's evident now that I am past it. I tell you what I am not past, Sam. Jesse Leach and Adam D on the same bloody album because we are going to finish off with Times of Grace's Songs of Loss and Separation. It's out now on Wicked Good Records. It actually came out on Friday the 16th of July, but as I just mentioned, been a bit of a quiet fortnight for album releases. And I'll be, I'll be with that said, though, I'll be honest, I think we would have probably reviewed this anyway. Uh, it's the band's second album and the follow-up to 2011's Hymn of a Broken Man. For those who aren't aware, Times of Grace is the side project of Killswitch Engage's Adam D and Jesse Leach with Dan Glusak on drums and he had been doing the live drumming for uh, for the band since their debut record. Times of Grace were put together as Adam was kind of recovering from major back surgery. He didn't know if he'd ever play live again and he kind of needed something to keep him like mentally occupied from his hospital bed. Um, that result was him of a broken man, an album that he kind of wrote mentally, which is insane. And he wanted Jesse Leach to do the vocals. At this point, Jesse wasn't in Kilsuch and Gage anymore. Uh, Jesse actually hails that call that Adam gave him as the one that saved his life, which is pretty crazy. Uh, for anyone listening to this, Hymn of a Broken Man is an absolutely amazing album. Uh, you should absolutely go back and listen to that. There's only been two Times of Grace records in 10 years, and that's very much because they only exist when there's a new story to tell. Sam, this is a beautiful, dark descent into hard rock. I think this album is so, so great. Where are you standing on this? Right fucking next to you, buddy. Mate, it's great. Um, it's so great, this. So good. It, it's absolutely, absolutely tremendous. Um, and let's try and avoid Killswitch Engage bingo. Yes. Um, let's just try and talk about it as an album unto its own right. Please. Yep. Um, it's, it's, it's beautifully, beautifully written. Um, the opening, the burden of belief, is immediately capturing and expansive and just gorgeous. That sort of Chris Stapleton style American folk guitar, but also on distortion style at the beginning. A little bit Blackstone Cherry, but also much more, um, much less cheesy or corny, or uh, something that can easily pull you in, doesn't feel pretentious in any sort of way. Um, compliments Jesse Leach's beautiful vocals immediately. Yeah. Yeah. And then it, it kicks in with this gorgeous chord change, poignant chorus, um, wonderful grace note led drums. And that's what I want to say uh, about this, about the album as a whole, but particularly on this opening track really sets the tone. There's a real feeling of atmosphere. There's a real great sense of gradually building a song up and having a crescendo at the end. That's a constant motif for this album, the way that it just sort of builds up, it explodes at the finality. Yeah, I've got that um, note as well. A, this, is a, this is a lovely example of that. And I think this is just tremendous. Um, it's just an incredibly powerful song, just really, really beautiful to start off with. Um, then we're then we're at the races, really. Um, Mend you. I was actually I was actually not particularly invested in the int introduction, but by the end, it built up so beautifully again with this uh, final little um, Adam D's guitar filling out the center of the chorus, and the final crescendo gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And once again, in and they got to rescue me, and this is like. It's the best Melcore songs I've written for like 10 years. This is just amazing. It's just absolutely fantastic. Um, really, really pacey and full. And again, just well-written, beautifully transitioned. And I'm I'm just sitting here thinking like, this is absolutely phenomenal. Yeah. And this is the best side project we've heard in several years, my friend, in terms of, of, of bands just breaking away and doing their own thing. This is... 
this is the runaway leader. I mean, there's not a lot of competition, but this is the this is the runaway leader. Well, we both really dug that kid be killed record last year, didn't we? Yes, we did. Yes, we did. I I still think this is um this is better. Oh yeah, it's yeah, better. it is. You know, I think it's better than uh, the Max Cavalera um, solo projects as well. Um, it's just a it's just a, a, a chunkier, um, chunkier and bigger just bigger record with some better written songs on it. Just to be quite frank. Um, and immediately just there's a there's an accessibility and a riff work and a, and a song structure that is just immediately attributable to, to Adam D. He's just a wonderful guitarist, but he's also can write these massive choruses and it complements beautifully with Jesse's um, Jesse's vocals. I don't miss the thrashy stylings as much as I thought I would. I thought I'd want to hear um, songs of their previous employers all the time. And that's not what, and that's not what I'm getting. I'm still perfectly happy with it. You talked about it, it's hard rock. I mean, it delves into metal, yeah, a couple of times. You know what I mean? There's you know, there's breakdowns and there's a few, there's a few moments like Far from Heavenless sounds pretty heavy at the end. Yeah, um, there's Medusa a, there's a as massive, well. yeah, as I was about to say, Medusa is a massive chugging riff for that pinch harmonic, which, by the way, giz, please, <laughs> that pinch harmonic mid tempo. Do, 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 do. Give me all of that. I love that type of stuff. That kind of songs that should be wrestler intros if they weren't so so much better than the average wrestler intro songs. Uh, but the, this is just really, really fantastic. Um, and what it is is it answers a couple of questions that me and you were kind of skirting around on recent reviews. And it was, can they still write good songs? Is this kind of where they are for the rest of their career? What's next? This is getting a bit weird, dull, boring. Insert own adjective here. The blueprint has been set. Are they ever going to move beyond it? Can they ever do something else? Absolutely, they can. They just have it on times of grace. And clearly, they're not confident enough to bring it over elsewhere. And that's perfectly fine. But I'm glad that it's here because it is it is utterly fantastic. It really, really is. And it completely, completely blew me away. I had no expectations for this. Absolutely not. I thought it'd be like a mimicry of what they what they usually do. Um, might be a bit softer, um, but other than that, I kind of thought it'd be another run of the mill kind of rock record. It's so much better than that. Were you expecting Miles so, Kennedy? So good. Not 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 so much Miles Kennedy because that was more sort of like bar stool acoustic-y. No, sorry, like, I meant in terms of the thing he usually does, but just in a different way. Yeah, yeah, I expected yeah diet. A diet version of what they usually do yeah i think that's yeah. probably a fair assessment and actually it's it's removed enough to be its own entity yeah um where i'm i don't actually have to sit there and think well, why isn't this on anything else and i can just say well i'm just glad it's here because i can understand why they've wrote it separately and write it why it's under its own singularity um because this is I say it man this is this is adam d's best guitar performance for a, for a significant amount of time Jesse Lee's best vocal performance for a significant amount of time. And you can clearly tell, I think, the joy that they appear to be taking from these songs, the creative freedom that appears to be guaranteed. And it's sort of coming out into these really, really smoothly written songs where everything feels incredibly natural and organic. And I think there are just three or four absolutely fantastic songs on here. Um, I think Burden of Belief, Rescue, Medusa, and carry the weight. I, I love carry the weight. Oh my god, that song is amazing. It's the uh, the looping guitar two oh. thirds of the way through from Adam D. It's just 
absolutely gorgeous. Mate, and I was just... saying this to you on Saturday. It's them little inflections that Adam puts on that just... He's so brilliant at adding in these little inflections that change the dynamic of tracks. Like he's got this little technical riff behind Jesse when the first chorus loops on Carry the Way, and it is incredible. It's my favorite track on the album. It is absolutely beautiful. Um, I'm sorry I kind of cut you off there unless you were just finishing your point. No, no, I was just gonna say that those those songs are tremendous, that they're like some of the best songs they've written in the last decade across any project. And that kind of summarizes how fantastic and what wonderfully surprising this this album is i just wanted to just end on that yeah that's that's pretty much the best stuff that they've come out with for a significant period of time I think. well you mentioned like existing within its own circle here for talking at times of grace i think that's a really good point because mate mend you is a bluesy rock song imagine me telling imagine me selling you or trying to sell you on that a few years ago as someone, because oh, you, because Lu- I, I, seems a push to me. Lucy seems a push, but it's a it's a lighter rock song. I'll give you that. Mend it's you. Not it's not bluesy. The, the opening. It's not bluesy. Promise. I don't, at least I don't think it is. Mm, I, I I I personally disagree. But regardless, regardless, uh-huh. even 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 if we weren't going to go for like the idea of it to blue, if it's a bluesy rock song, we don't agree there. Even if I kind of played thirty, even if I took thirty minutes of the instrumental and put it to you a few years ago and tried to sell you on it, I think you would have took a long time for you to get to, oh, this would be Adam D and Jesse from Killswitch doing this. And um, there's, <laughs> Jesse has got like psychedelic vocals as well in the middle eight. I mean, when have I, when have you ever heard him doing that before? Um, yeah, there's, there's lots of stuff here that I'm clearly experimenting with. Spoken word stuff as well. I actually enjoyed the spoken word element yeah. of this album. Really worked. When I started talking about religion, I forgot what, what song is that halfway through? Um, the spoken word section. Oh, I've just. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to remind myself. There's a spoken word section where he talks about religion, and like vicars and sermons and stuff, and it's just tremendous as the, as the, as the crescendo is going up. It might be Menju, but I can't remember. It, it could sorry. be far from heavenless as well. Oh, very good point. It could be. Um, yeah. Oh no, it's on Medusa. It's on Medusa when he does the spoken Medusa. word vocals. Because they they, yeah, they okay. do appear in spades throughout the record every now and again that they're coming, but they're they're really prevalent on the uh, on the middle section of Medusa. I I wanted to make a special mention, mate, for for Adam D because, mate, that guy is like a genius. Like like people forget that he was he was Kilsey Engage's drummer on the debut of Kilsey Engage record. Then he did the guitarist. Then he then he's he's like a producer. And mate, Adam's vocals on this album are amazing. Yeah, sensational. He is he's an exceptional musician. Like you wouldn't usually like pit him at the foot, like on him of a broken man. He tackles some vocals, but not a great deal. Whereas really this album is 60% Jesse, 40% Adam. He turns up a lot on this album. Bleed Me is gorgeous. And you was talking, you were talking about this. The slow builds that gradually increased to this big rock crescendo uh, uh, executing masterfully throughout throughout this record and most of my favorite bits on this album is when they bring in the dual layered vocals because on bleed me they do it and it, jesse's harsh screams are like turned down underneath adam's lead lines and it's so so good you know it's one bleed me is one of those songs that's like stripped back with like with theoretically not a lot going on, but such as the performance and grandeur of it all, that what is there, what is there feels absolutely huge. I think 
the the only song on this record that I could have lived without is probably Currents. Um, it's a bit more metallic, and it's it, it's got like kind of it's got a looping metal riff, which is pretty cool. But it's almost like that track is like so stripped back that it rids itself of any of any real anthem and hook, which in this record will make it stand out because there's so much anthem and hook in this album is like it's just stunning this record um you t- you spoke about carry the weight oh, i think that's the best song on here you also talked about rescue now this record is basically about the uh, accepting the idea that darkness is an inevitability and darkness will come regardless of the scenario that you try and live your life through Obviously, Jesse Leach's issues in mental health are, are, are well known. He's very open about that kind of stuff. But Rescue is actually one of the very few positive tracks on the album. And what yeah. an intro to that song. Like, that song could be Killstring Age. I know we do, I know we said we we're going to talk about this like it was a very separate thing because it is. But it's got that slithering riff from Adam D. Jesse's got a real darkness to his bark. And because it's the first appearance of what we would call the quote-unquote natural to our understanding Jesse and Adam sound, it comes across as much heavier. I feel like if Rescue was just in the middle of atonement, I'm not sure it would have had the same effect on us. But because this is surrounded by tracks that don't sound anything like it, this sounds like a real gritty, nasty, heavy, brilliant song. Yeah, I completely agree. I also I also feel that the album is good enough on its own where it didn't even need that and having it was just a, a, a nice positive. Do yeah. you know what I mean? Where where I heard it, I heard it and I was like, oh, I'll get this as well. That that's that's fantastic because all I expected was this melodic, anthemic rock stuff, which also works for me as well. And it was nice to have that as as a combination. Um I I agree I agree with you. Um that is the closest I sound to to kill switch, apart from maybe the end of Far From Heavenless. Yeah, um, there are mo- there are moments where they actually sound. This is probably going to make you make make you really annoyed. Um, but just try and just try and see if I can land the plane. All right, Go see on. if I can get this take across. Well, you wouldn't have my bluesy rock, so I'm immediately going to disagree with this. <laughs> so, <laughs> so petty. Go on, mate. Um, this when when it does the the anthemic ballads. Yeah. Of what five finger death punch would be if they were good. Right now, okay, yeah, now I will, I will allow that. Yeah, yeah, that's fine. Do you know I'll, what? I'll do you know what I mean? In yeah, terms yeah. of like, it, it, it's if you take away just the, you know, the five foot death punch, like sort of like lyricism and some of the corniness and stuff like and that. Rubbish, yeah. <laughs> and the fact that they're they're pants, yeah. Um, this is actually like a really, really good and acceptable version. Um, of, I think this is this is this is really good. Some of some of the some of the riffs as well, sort of like that southern guitar, like wound and sort of sliding little bits of, of conclusions of songs. Um, I'm really, really impressed. Really, really impressed. And they didn't have to do this. They, they could have just done an acoustic album. They could have just done like a diet kill switch album. They could have done whatever they wanted. They could have done what Howard Jones did, which was like kind of like a rock album, but yeah, kind like of like torch. a metal album, but mm. kind of. Do you know what I mean? It's just a version of, of heavy rock and metal. It's just this mishmash of generic stuff and then a disco cover at the end. Um, they could have done that, and I'm very glad that they didn't. This is this is what a solo record should sound like, where it's actually a separate entity, but it also contains some of the elements that drew you to interest in those figures in the first place. Um, this is really, really impressive. Chris, is there a chance they tour this? Yeah. Yeah, they'll they'll tour whether they'll tour it in the UK is is a different thing. They toured him of a broken man again. Did the tour him of a broken man in the UK? I'm not sure. 
I, I, I think they'll tour this man. Um, they toured the last record, so why not this one, mate? I, I did want to quickly mention more specifically Jesse because. Mate, there are elements on this album that's like psych metal, like on Medusa. Like he's got kind of electro form of psych metal on on his on his vocal. Now, I would have never given him for that to work. Not because not because I didn't think he's a great vocalist. Jesse Leach is a brilliant vocalist, but just because I, I just wouldn't imagine that fitting with him. But it, mate, it really really works. Medusa is is one of those songs where the payoff at the end is huge, and it's because they do really unusual, different things with Jesse's voice. With, um, with the thing on the verse, it actually reminded me of Mastodon, the way they have that underwater effect on his vocal. Yeah, yeah. Sort of take it away from the riff a little bit. It kind of reminded me of, like, stuff off Crack the Sky, um, where it's the vocals are just a part of an overall song. Um, but, yeah. Um, I'm sorry to, sorry, to have, sorry to have interrupted you there. Jesse no. over, has Jesse overtaken Howard? Oh, well, I mean, this is definitely... His resume is starting to stack up there, isn't it? Well, with the two times of Grace records, this is definitely that, that this is definitely better than anything like The Torch have done. Um, so that is... Oh, that's a... That's a mate, that's going to have to be for a noise podcast special, that is. <laughs> that's a difficult one. Just drifting back to this, mate, how cool is it to hear a song solely or in almost entirely sung by Adam because cold is this really touching and mute emotional beautiful performance I mean there's not really much else to say about it it's this really delicate like really stunning tender. it's really stunning tender track about losing someone that you loved mate it's it's amazing and it's Adam day like what what can't that guy do man he's an absolute musical machine. And then, mate, just little piano over the top as well. Mate, amazing, amazing, and it's worth mentioning again. This the, musically, this is Adam Day. Like Jesse gets in with the lyrics with him, but musically, this is Adam Day's creation, pretty much. Got to end on forever. I mean, obviously, it's the last track on the record, but I'd also like to say, Sam, isn't forever the greatest Nickelback song ever written? I was actually gonna. I was skirting around Nickelback when I was talking about Five Figure Death Punch. Mate, I it's the best Nickelback fight, mate. No, no, mate. Forever is the best Nickelback song ever written. That's what Nickelback would sound like if they were re- if they were a really good band. That Forever <laughs> is is an absolutely incredible rock song. I can't and intended all the right reasons and dark horse just don't exist. Oh, whatever, bro. That's, He's on the all the right reasons he talks so far. Fucking mate, in all the all the right reasons, Chad Kruger talks about 40 men in bars who stares at his women, his missus. Mate, I'm not having it go away. Fantastic. It could be an ICDC. <laughs> ICDC. <laughs> mate, the, yeah, 50 years ago. Anyway. <laughs> anyway, mate, forever is an absolutely I mean, what a rock song. It is, is incredible. And I said that Nickelback kind of analogy, and I mean that as in the absolute highest regard of compliments because it's leering, interesting, vocally powerful, and just absolutely supercharged with hooks. This, this record... Oh, mate. Climatic in the greatest sense of the word. This, this record is this kind of emotional telltale of rock anthem. But it, it's told with such grace and beauty. It, it's a really, really special piece of, of music. This is. I mean, I, I think Sam comfortably here. Actually, no, not comfortably because him of a broken man is really, really good. Mm. I am. 
quite confident that this is the best record that Jesse and Adam have collectively put their name to since Alive or Just Breathing. And I think second in that list is Times of Grace's first album, Him of a Broken Man. There's just something really special about this album. The story it tells, the way it's produced, produced, the kind of message of accepting darkness as an inevitability. And I tell you what, Sam, the fact that we will probably never get another Times of Grace album because they only exist when they've got a new story to tell. We probably won't ever get another Times of Grace album. Like in 2031, a Jesse Leach and Adam D still going to be making music. That is anyone's guess. I'd assume not. We might never get another one. That's what I think that's part of what makes this album so special. I think this album is absolutely brilliant, Sam. I love it to no end. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I'm completely with you. Um, I think as long as Adam D can stand up right or write music, whatever format that takes um and i'm i'm glad that he's able to produce stuff like this without fearing the the shackles of, of writing for a very specific audience that clearly he feels with kill switch and i'm absolutely incredibly grateful for this because i think it, it talks a balance between all of the different writing styles and it has unlocked what he is as a songwriter and gives him that freedom that they both deserve to have this is a tremendous album it really is a tremendous album and a, and a wonderfully heartwarming surprise absolutely in absolutely that's where we're going to leave off episode 75 of the noise podcast before my interview with rob wharton from cognitive comes in thank you so much for this uh, we really really appreciate it if you are still here give us a subscription on youtube or follow us or like depending on whichever service you are using follow us on twitter at noise podcast both me and sam run that account we are going to be back in two weeks time until then here's my interview with cognitive's rob wharton thanks for listening we love you Bye. So I'm now joined by Rob Wharton, a guitarist from Cognitive, the band that on our last episode we absolutely were frothing at the mouth talking about their new record, Malevolent Thoughts of a House and Extinction. Rob, uh, thank you so much for giving me your time today, man. How are you? Yeah, yeah, I'm good. Thanks for having us on here and thanks for all the kind words. Dude, thank you for uh, the new record. It is just this absolute, as like, you told me as we were just coming into the show here, that you'd listen to our review, which is very humbling for us. But as you will know, you'll know what me and Sam thought of it. Just this absolutely insane, insane, brutal piece of music that, you know, we're one day ahead of release here as we're recording this. So is like, I'm guessing for you, it's borderline excitement, but also like just desperate for people to hear it now because you obviously you've, this album's been sitting in the cooker for so long for you. Oh my God. It's been nerve wracking leading everything up to like the first song, especially it was like, Oh God, it's like the eve of the first songs coming yeah. out. Like I hope people like it. Cause like we tried a lot of new stuff on the record and mm. uh, now it's just like, I hope, you know, people like it. You know, some people I've gotten a lot of text messages and all from friends like, dude, I finally checked it out. This is awesome. Like this is your best stuff. So it's been humble in between that. Oh, I'd actually like to start this um, by discussing the East Coast hardcore scene. Um, Because for bands such as yourselves, I think the East Coast hardcore scene kind of gets overlooked a lot as a factor in your sound. I mean, of course, you don't sound like Agnostic Front or Sick of It All. But as a fan of Cognitive, I feel like, especially on Matricide, there are traces of that East Coast hardcore scene's importance in your music. Um, Do you, what was the New York hardcore scene or the East Coast hardcore scene an early influence on you at all? Oh, hell yeah. I'm flattered you said that, because yeah, like, like we're really in the band's um, Jesus Peace as like a oh, yeah. newer hardcore band. Love them, they're from our area. Love that band. Uh, 
Mad Balls got really sick riffs. Uh, Incendiary yeah. is awesome. Uh, I'm really in the knock loose. I think that band awesome. is fucking so heavy. But, um, you know, there's that. And then there's a lot of the crossover, like New York death metal, which has the New York hardcore, which like we got a lot of stuff from too. So, you know, it definitely bled in a lot. So I definitely, it's funny. I don't think that the East Coast, like metal and hardcore scenes overlooked at all, in my opinion, but it's because I live here. But uh, I'm flattered you even said that because there's awesome bands from over here that definitely like are inspiring to us. Well, yeah, because it's interesting because you live within that scene, right? But like for me, like I haven't seen anyone and this isn't like a criticism of anyone that's spoken about cognitive. What I mean is I haven't seen anyone talk about cognitive and mention the fact that like you're from like New Jersey and in the late 80s, there was Metallica and Slayer like in the West Coast, but the East Coast, like in the early 90s, was a completely different scene to the thrash scene. You had something completely different. And that, like, I feel like really translates to, like, the pace and the tone and the ferocity, especially on Matricide. I feel like, I feel like Matricide is probably the closest thing to a hardcore record I've heard you guys do. That's just a purely from a listener, though. Yeah, yeah, no, that, that song um, uh, with Reckless Abandon, like, there was, like, a definite two-step part. Where I was like, that's yeah. got to be, like, the hardcore riff. So... As with most records coming out in 2021, you wrote a fair bit of malevolent, um, malevolent thoughts in isolation. I'm curious, when it came to the, the point of you all being together in a room, and that would have been for the first time for a while, how much of what was written was kept and how much was scrapped? Like, was there a point where you felt like maybe we should consider hitting the reset button on some part or had the isolation writing gone so well that actually all we need to do is like get this on tape now? Yeah, so before the record or before the pandemic hit, I think we had four to five songs written. And I think we had learned like four of the five that we had. And we had another two in the works. It was like maybe even six, but we scrapped total, we scrapped three songs that were going to be on the record. Was that was that a difficult process? Yeah, we had normally it doesn't happen. We're just like, that's on the record. But like we had so many songs and riffs and we were just like, this song's got parts. Maybe we can use it for the next record. And, uh, we, you know, like I said, like we hadn't gotten together in jam. So we practiced like two or three times before the pandemic. And then we had not seen each other except for Harry, the guitar player, because like he lives right near where I work. So once in a while I would stop by and see him, but like we did not see each other until last December when we recorded. Man. So it was February to December without seeing each other with anything band related or anything. The relationship between you and Harry uh, is one that really drives the record forward. I mean, songs like the more where those pinch harmonics coming between your double time riff in the middle eight, like, as you probably heard me and Sam talk about in our review, like, my jaw was just completely dropped at how great and brutal it sounded. What's the writing relationship like with the two of you? Like, because there are moments on this album that are crazily technical. So how much trust do you need in each other's ability to be able to pull off this in crazy, technical and intense sound? It's funny because I, I have no problem saying this. Harry's literally one of my best friends. Like, we hang out, like, all the time without like band stuff. So like, it's awesome. But um, when it comes to like playing, it's cool. Cause Harry wrote more than he ever has for the band for this record. 
And he, like, um, let me think here. Ouroboros, ENIAC, and Tearing Tendon from Bone were all Harry. He wow. wrote all yeah, three of them. And then uh, the mall, he wrote the first three riffs in it. And then I wrote the rest. And he just, he had these three riffs that he sent to me. And I was like, dude, I think I could fit this in because the riff right after it, the rest of the song was mine. And I was like, I think I could just throw them in there. And he was like, all right. And then I sent it to him and he was like, that's it. Let's go. So like, <laughs> we trust each other a lot. So uh, I- I'm happy the way we, we worked stuff out. I, I really can't wait to see what we do next because I think like the band like really just hit our stride with what we want to do or need to do. Oh yeah, like um, and I really enjoyed Matricide, but Malevolent Thoughts is a is a real like obvious step up. And I'm assuming like you guys picked up on that during the writing process. I, I'm guessing Every- there would have been a point where you guys were like, hmm, this is definitely a step up to anything we've done before. I think it was like when we started doing some of the pre-pro stuff. And then like when we really just got to hear the, the finished product, everyone was like, dude, like, you know what? I'm really proud of this one. Like, you know, sometimes you look back you're like, I wish we did this or I wish we did that. None of that with this one, at least for me. And like Harry's usually like really like, oh, man, like I wish I did this or that. And I haven't heard anyone say that yet. I don't think any band would go into the writing process of a record primarily thinking about what the scene is they are in his doing at that moment but considering the year that extreme metal is having do you think that maybe the pandemic slowing the writing process of the record down has done you a favor because right now there's this swarm of extreme bands releasing really high quality music most of which on unique leader records um everyone seems to be eating it up i see a cognitive appearing regularly on my newsfeed on twitter do you feel like maybe the slowdown of the process has done you a favor because you're releasing this record now while the iron for extreme metal is really hot. I think uh, as far as like the writing, we got more done with, because of the pandemic. Cause we would have been on tour. Yeah. I, I know that. And like the second we started to cancel some of the tours, we were all like, all right, well let's just do the work now so that when it's over and you know, obviously no one expected it to go this long. No one. But uh, I do think it did us like a blessing in disguise favor as far as that is that it's nerve wracking because some of our favorite and like some of the biggest bands out there right now are getting ready to drop records like Meshuggah is going to be dropping something this year. Shout out to the boys and uh, Rivers and Nile just posted another team. Yeah, I'm so buzzing for that. Awesome, dude. dude. I love that band so much. Great friends of ours. Uh, I love them. And uh, they just posted a teaser about five minutes ago. Yeah, so, that, you know, that's going to shadow us. So, and that's fine. That's fine. <laughs> um, there's a lot. Lorna Shore's putting stuff out. Uh, Between the Barry to me. Th- Did you, know, you dig a Brand of Sacrifice's new record? I'm not really into them. They're hard workers, by all means. That's not my style. Of right. Music. Okay. I'm not here to dog any band. Oh, I yeah, of course. Any- I respect any band that's got the balls to be out on the road and do the, what the hell they want to do. But uh, it's not for me. But I know people love that band. Yeah. Well, I mean, even if we like honing on Unique Leader Records, who I just talk about all the time, because I think Unique Leader, that 2021 for them has been insane. Like Humanity's Last Breath, uh, Avalda was awesome. Uh, Osiris Loss, 
I love that record. Uh, to the Graves re-release uh, was awesome as well. And then obviously you've got Cognitive uh, added into that pile as well. Um, if you're looking for a unique leader recommendation too, check out the Xenobiotic record. Right, okay. Yeah, that is a new one on me. I'm not familiar with that. No, I uh, wonder that come out like last year. It's called Mordrake. That one's really good. And right. Cytotoxin and Disentomb, man. Two bands that are jaw-dropping on that label unique leader like they just don't miss a beat man like everything like uh lisa coverdale uh, absolute shout out to her she's amazing everything she sends me that's got the unique leader tagline on now like i'll just immediately listen because uh, i've got so much faith in that record label that they're doing such great things for extreme metal um moving back on to uh, cognitive for a second dude i couldn't do this interview without talking to you about destitute um ah. it come yeah it's nearly six minutes long it's this kind of sprawling tech death epic with a legitimate like anthem to it it comes as this like real left hook out of nowhere at the back end of the album dude you've got i'm desperate to know what the craft of that song looked like and whether it was specifically designed to showcase you know was it was it this kind of thing like oh if we put this at the end of the album it's kind of like an easter egg i want to know everything about how that song was put together because i love it so much so I've been listening to Disentomb a lot, and right. um, they've got some like bizarre chord shapes sometimes. But uh, that dude's really good at riffing. But like, I was like, oh man, I would love to get some of these shapes down or something. And like, obviously, most of the he- album's heavy. It's got melodic stuff. But like, I'm writing stuff at home, and I'm just like messing around. And I was like, I'm on the something. So I'm like, I'm writing it, and I'm just coming up part after part, and then like. I get into that chunky part with the pick squeal in it. And I was like, this is cool. And then I was like, man, I would love to have like a real melodic black metal chugging part where just a big mammoth solo over it. And when you think it's over, it gets even longer. Yeah. Mad 80s, mad 80s hair yeah. metal. And I was doing that. So like, this is where it gets good. So I'm like, all right, I think I've got a song. So I send it to the guys and the title is Ballad of Rob. That's awesome. That's awesome. <laughs> and I sent it to the guys, and I'll never forget my guitar player going, I was so ready to reply to you just reading that title. No. <laughs> That's awesome. So that he opens it up, and he hits back and goes, I fucking love this. And everyone's like, man, I love this. I don't know if it can go on the record. And I'm like, let's just try it. And then, like, Shane had did like melodic vocals on another song before. And he was like, I'm, I'm going to do it. I'm going to jump for it. And we just really took our time with that song. And it's definitely like new territory for us. Cause there's only like one blast beat the whole song. It's not like, it's like, you know, let's get in the pit and punch someone in the face, any of that. But uh, it's one of my favorite songs on the record. Easily. It's so great. It's so great. Like I love, love that song. And I think it's, I think sometimes like people overlook the importance of a track list, right? Like I think that comes at the perfect time on the record. There's been this like there's been this like eight like skin tearing songs, <laughs> and then Destitute comes in. It's like really like a real left hook. The, the first time I was running the album through, dude, for a hundred pound, I wouldn't have been able to guess that was coming. Like no way. No, I appreciate, and I'm glad you like the placement because I've had some people like maybe you should have made it last, and I'm like. I felt like that would have been 
the easy thing to do. Yeah. Just put that song. I was like, I wanted, I wanted to put it a little bit earlier, possibly, but I'm glad we put it where we did. Um, I, I'm happy with it. I'm happy with where it went. I, I, like you said, uh, I wanted it to be a left hook. I'm so glad you like it. I definitely want to try and get more stuff like that on whatever we do next. Like, I think this record really let us hit our stride and also let us go like, you know what? We can try this stuff and it's still cognitive. Well, it kind of like, it, it dangles that kind of, that carrot of something different, a left hook. And then other highest and extinction finishes the record off. And that's the face punch again. Like, so it's like, you get, you get put in this full sense of security where you think, oh, maybe they're going to finish the album off on a completely different note, but then the blast beats return and the crunching guitar comes back in. So, uh, dude, I, I love that song so much. And I really in, like love the bravery of, of putting that um, in the place that you did and, and putting that song as such a, like a sprawling tech death anthem. Um, we, we kind of mentioned this earlier. For Malevolent Thoughts of Highest Extinction is this, I personally think it's like a big step up from matricide. You're, you're at the, the like real finishing end of this piece now. Like it, as we speak, it comes out tomorrow. Where does this now, how does this change the mentality of the band for you? Or does it at all? Because if you're now, you're now coming off the back of what we think is the, your best piece of work. How does this, does this change your mentality or going forward? Does this raise expectations for you of what you want to achieve from the band going forward? I, I think the only thing it did was like reinforce us with like work harder which we've never been lazy about stuff. I'm yeah. proud of that. Like we're never scared to go on tour and do stuff, but it's just like, I definitely feel like it was like, wow, like people do care and people did listen and, and really just, you know, re-emboldened us. And uh, I think that as far as like writing, I like I said, I think it reinforces us trying different stuff, but I said it's someone else too. Like we never go into an album with rules. Like this is what it has to be. We have to fit that mold. Like, Somebody like Cannibal Corpse knows they've got to write a fucking death metal record. You know, yeah, I mean? yeah. they're their meat and potato band. And I like my meat and potatoes sometimes. Um, I'm glad that we never established ourselves as that kind of a band. It was always just like a free for all with the music and all. Um, I think focusing on just the writing and songwriting style is, is something that is going to work right. I think. I think us having song skeletons before practice because of the pandemic helped us out. And I think we'll use that more, but more than anything, I think just was just like people fucking are really hype about the CD. It seems like, so let's just capitalize on it and do work. <laughs> Dude. I apologize here. Cause I'm about to ask you a question. That you've probably been asked like a million times over the last, <laughs> over the last like day or two of doing press, the story of how your artwork came together. Uh, made by Pedro uh, Cena, and the artwork is incredible. But uh, the story so so awesome. Like you'd sent him the record and asked him to kind of create what the album made him feel. Like you give him kind of carte blanche, like do whatever you think this album or whatever it creates within you. And then when you saw this brilliant inventive artwork back, was that like every validation message that you needed that you created something really dark, brooding, and special? Because the artwork is incredible. So it's funny because, yeah, like you said, like we literally sent him the because I told guys in group chat, I said, yeah, I got a wild idea. And they're like, what's up? I was like, why don't we just let him draw whatever the fuck he wants? And they were like, I'm down. I was like, why restrict him? Like, he knows what he's doing. He did our last album art. So let him do this one. OK. 
and he sent three album t- uh, covers, and that was one of them. And everyone was like, "That's the one." Yeah, that's the one. Right away, everyone was like, "That's the one." And we were like, "Cool." And he was so flattered that we let him do that. He was so appreciative of it. I, I love that dude as a person. Just like talking to him, he's very just like. Anytime we have anything to post, he's sharing it. Like he's like so into what we do and supportive of it, which is really cool. Cause like sometimes artists do stuff and of course they're like they're proud of what they drew. And, but at the same time, they're like, I got paid. I'm fine with it. He's like, no, 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 no. Like check this out. Like, so I, he got a lot of respect for the art, which I'm happy for. Cause there was people commenting, I can't believe this is him. Like this is a new level for him too. So I'm glad both of us got to, grow i guess as as you know people's eyes were on us and do you feel like when you saw that artwork it was like and this is the story of the record this is the atmosphere that we're trying to create and that's exactly what we wanted that's really cool because like you didn't know it was what you wanted do you know what i mean like you didn't know that picture was what you wanted until he produced it for you right such a cool thing Yeah, it's cool because like normally you come up, hey, man, this is what we're kind of seeing and envisioning and going for. And it was just like we sent him like, I think, five or six songs. And we were he was like, you sure? And I was like, yeah. And then, boom, two weeks later. Is there one particular message or theme that's trying to be pushed throughout Malevolent Thoughts? Because I. I get a sense of messages of kind of like self-worm, self-worm, self-worth on the likes of like to feed the worms and the more. But then there's tracks like ENIAC, which is about the first computer. So is this a record of a collection of separate ideas or is there an underlying message that you you are trying to push through? It's definitely separate ideas. And it's really funny because uh, you said the more and... To feed uh, the worms were kind of like a self-worth. Thing. That's what I got as a listener. Some kind of self-worth fine, message. But- they were both based off of video games. Awesome. I love that. Which ones? The Feed the Worms was based off of Legacy of Kane, the Soul Reaver series. Awesome. And the Mall was based off of Halo. It no way, man. Off, yeah, it was based oh, off of... Of course. Um, the Flood, par- the Parasite. I get that now. Yeah, yeah. I, I feel like kind of stupid now. <laughs> but that's no, the but fine, music but, open to interpretation, but, right? But songs like Destitute... Um, stuff like that like there's definitely a lot of like misery that comes out in our music and our lyrics like like we definitely have like i have no problem saying this like i definitely have depression issues and stuff like that and anxiety issues and stuff and like half the time life sucks man and half the time life's awesome dude but like it's cool to be able to talk about both things you know what i mean as a musician because we definitely all struggle with that you know everyone's got the it's a great day and 10 seconds later the day goes to shit. And then, you know, another day your day shit and something happens and you're like, Oh my God, this is the best day ever. Well, you know, you've led me brilliantly into my next point there. Cause I was going to, I was going to ask you about this. Cause when I was talking to Ricky from Messiah about loss and loss is this really uh, dark, you get really dark to live in the walls of that record. And he was, he was telling me how like, how captivating it was for him to like, share his message within this really dark atmosphere, but to be kind of like share his thoughts in his darkest moments and malevolent thoughts is a really, really dark record. Does it, does it do you a favor to live within musical darkness when you're feeling darkness or or, or does it further push you away? Me, myself, when I'm like in like my pit of misery about whatever's going on, whether it's just life or things on the news or anything, I have 
for better or worse, the worst habit of going to the most miserable music ever, because I find comfort in it going, I'm not the only one that feels like this. You know what I mean? And like, I'm really into the dark brooding stuff. And I mean, like some of my favorite musicians like Wayne Staley, I love him. And I love, I love Chester Bennington's lyrics from uh, Lincoln Park, man, like all that stuff, like means something a lot to me. And like, sometimes I help Shane with uh, vocal patterns or lyrics and stuff. And a lot of my lyrics are about that kind of stuff, which I think is the most human thing to write about. I mentioned earlier, like the kind of momentum that you're on and the general interest in the band, like seems to be really like literally on real upwards curve spiking upwards. That's the first, it's the first time it looks like this has happened for you. Like there's been a steady growth of the records before, but never the the curve is really shooting upwards. Right. Does that change like discussions of the band? Are you trying to keep yourselves more leveled or is this now let's, grab a hold of this opportunity and see if we can go on every sick tour we can next year. I felt like that was always the mentality before, but it's definitely more just like, dude, like if the iron's hot, you know, strike. But I don't think, I don't think anyone's like, we're all very appreciative of just like, whoa, like this is really moving. And like, like you brought up Lisa, man, she is a saint. She has done so much work and like, we're getting interviews left and right. And I'm just like, make sure we fill it out. We got to make sure we do it. Cause I know a lot of bands you've probably dealt with like, Hey, can I interview you? And they just don't even reply yeah. and stuff like that. Like a hundred percent against that. Because like, if you're, dude, you're not getting paid to do this. No. So we do it because you're taking the time out of your day to do something you love. And it's about something we love doing. So yeah, yeah. that being said, like, I don't think it really changed anything except just like, Hey, let's keep at it. Let's keep going. You know what I mean? So, I when when like, I saw this interview out with Lisa, she mentioned to me that you'd you'd be at work. So I, I purposefully kept this interview quite short. Um, oh, it's okay. It's okay. Every guest that we have, I put them through a quick fire round at the end of the interview. I'm going to ask you to see uh, 20 questions, multiple choice. I'm going to see how quickly you can make decisions between the two options here. Um, we have got like a league table running for interviews on the podcast. Um, so, dude, I'm going to get my timer going here. Uh, and when you're ready, I'm going to start asking you multiple choice questions, see how quickly you can get through 20 of them. There's no cryptopsy questions on there, there's, is there? There's no cryptopsy questions, okay, I can promise you. I go to bed at night in cold sweats trying to decide <laughs> which record's my favorite. Dude. So as long as it's not that, I think I'm going to do great. That's awesome. Uh, are you ready? Let's go. Let's go. Batman or Superman? Neither. Would you rather be too wet or too dry? Too dry. Your favourite fast food? No. None. Taco <laughs> Bell. Online. Your favourite cognitive song? Oh, no. Oh, damn you. <laughs> no crypt- it wasn't Cryptopsy, to be fair. I know. This is hard. Um... <laughs> Man. Arterial red. Best time of the day. Afternoon. A soap opera is good or bad? Awful. Corn or limp biscuit? Limp biscuit. Lamb of God or Machine Head? Lamb of God. The best live show you've ever seen? Meshuggah. Best live show you've ever played? Death Feast Open Air. The hardest cognitive song to write? Destitute. The band member that's most fun to be around in the studio? 
Harry. Viartis Murder or Whitechapel? Whitechapel. Ketchup or Mayo? Ketchup. Harry Potter or Lord of the Rings? Lord of the Rings. Your favourite record of all time? Ooh. Animals by Pink Floyd. Oh, awesome. Uh, your favourite band? Pink Floyd. Your favourite movie? Oh. Seven Pounds. Awesome. Uh, Marvel or DC? Marvel. The best advice you could give someone? Be yourself and be honest. Dude, that is an impressive time in one minute and 50. You should be proud of yourself, man. You've done well there, dude. I tried. <laughs> it was the cognitive song, man. I wasn't ready for that. The DC thing, easy. Batman <laughs> and Superman. <laughs> DC, you know, dude, down, like, okay. no one ever says Superman. Like, I know you said boo to both, but like, no one ever says Superman. I, like, I don't I know what that guy did. One, I, if I had to pick one, it would have been Batman, but yeah. I'm good on either of them. Now, I'm a Marvel guy through and through, man. I love it. Awesome. Uh, to never, be fair, you're going to laugh. Never seen a Harry Potter or read a book either. Uh, you know what, dude? Like, uh, I'm, I'm English, right? So, how, how could I not have? Like, of course, I live in that like universe of Harry Potter. Um, but you, you're not missing anything great, dude. It's not something that I'd force you to watch myself. Uh, <laughs> Rob, this has been awesome, man. Um, I'm such a fan of Malevolent Thoughts. Uh, that record is insane. I really enjoyed Matricide. I thought it was a great record. Malevolent Thoughts is really, really brilliant, as you would have heard me and Sam just talking about how much we love that record. So congratulations. Um, I hope it does as well for you as I believe it should. And, dude, when you're in the UK, I will 100% be there. Um, it's yeah, a great we plan, we plan on next year, we're hoping. You know what I mean? We had we had one last year that was supposed to happen. Yeah. Went down the drain. Um, you probably didn't know who we were when we were over there last time. So, yeah. Um, dude, next time I will be there. And this interview was really cool for me. And yeah, um, congratulations. Please keep in touch with us, man. You were awesome, dude. You, when we got your video and all, we were just like, wow, dude, like these guys cared. And like, you really paid attention to everything. And you guys did a Fiddy and I too in that interview, correct? Yeah, we did a Fiddy and I who were ridiculous. <laughs> ridiculous. Dude, you were one of, I think, four now reviews that had us and them in the same one, dude. So awesome. I love awesome. that so much. This is a complete pleasure. Congratulations, Rob. Malevolent Thoughts is awesome. Um, and thank you for your time, man. Take care. Yeah, take care, man. Thank you. See you, dude.